Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Welcome to another episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. I am your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And on today's episode, got a few things lined up. Defensive back recap of the draft. This is it. The draft is over, so I'll be finally wrapping it up with this last one, talking about some corners, some safeties, good fits, bad fits, and, you know, maybe some late-round sleepers. Um, I also... I have about three questions, four questions, five questions, maybe uh, mailbag segment. All right. So I'll be answering those questions. And but before I get into all that, I want to talk a little bit about who I am and why you guys should listen to me. Continue to listen to me. All right. And and, and where did my expertise come from as far as defensive backs and, and how did this whole thing start? How did I end up with my own podcast? All right. So I'll get into that a little bit right now who I am. I'll jump straight into that. So, of course, I introduced myself, Eric Crocker, and I I went to a smaller school. So my path, you know, I'll be talking about a lot of different guys from this draft, but, you know, these guys went to big schools. You got Byron Murphy, Rocky Asin. He kind of went to a little bit smaller school, but still Division I. I went to a Division II school, and I went to a D2 school. I took the junior college route to even get there. All right, so I went to a a D2 school called Arkansas Monticello, our University of Arkansas Monticello. Uh, I, they used to have this commercial back in the day about a bull weevil, and it was like the ugliest mascot ever. Well, that's the school I went to. There was an ESPN commercial about it. All right. Uh, from from there, I, I went straight to the Arena Football League. So I, I took a chance. I didn't do my pro day. You know, we, we go over all these different pro day numbers, combine numbers, vertical, 40, you know, all those different measurements, tests. I didn't do any of that. I went straight to the Arena Football League, <clears throat> took a chance on myself. Um, I always bet on myself, and I came out on top. I started 19 games my rookie year, which is tough because I was the only rookie starter on offense or defense on the entire team. We had one of the best teams in the league. Um, and, and, and from there, I had uh, a bunch of workouts lined up. So, somehow, you know, I, I was taller. I'm a taller corner. I was a taller corner. Six one, six two. You know, one ninety five to two hundred pounds in that range. So I, I was considered a big corner. I was athletic. Um, so you know, I, I, I had a few workouts lined up. The first one was the New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton, and and um. I was kind of out of shape. They didn't end up signing me, but they did invite me to rookie minicamp. You see a lot of guys today finishing up rookie minicamp. For a lot of guys, that's it. <laughs> you know, rookie minicamp is just a time for, you know, they get a bunch of guys in and with no intentions on really signing any of them. They're just trying to field enough guys to where they can have, a, they can get a good look at their rookies. So they bring in, you know, 30 guys or more, 40 guys, whatever it is, just so that they can have first string, second string on offense and defense and see their actual rookies. All right. Um, but, yeah, the Saints, they invited me to rookie minicamp. I had another uh, workout with Chip Kelly and the Eagles. They didn't sign me. I was still kind of out of shape. Long story. I'll explain it another time. 
And then finally, the New York Jets. That was my third workout. They signed me. I was with the Jets for a little bit. When I got there, they had Darrell Revis. They had Antonio Cromartie. Well, Revis ended up getting traded. Still had Cromartie. I got to learn a ton from him. I had great coaches. Tim McDonald, Dennis Thurman. They were, you know, NFL greats. Tim McDonald, a lot of 49er fans. You guys should know who he is. Played with the 49ers. He played with the Cardinals. Um, I, I got to learn a ton. I got to learn a ton from these guys. And, and not just them. I mean, the head coach was freaking Rex Ryan. And I always tell people, man, that is the best coach I've ever been around. He he connected with the players on a different level. You know, so they, they everybody talks about players, coaches. He was a players coach, but he was a hell of an X, X's and O's guy as well. Uh, I mean, he, he knew defense like the back of his hand. He he did a great job of incorporating, you know, what you know input the players had and different things that they wanted to do. And he, he, he was awesome. I, I can't say enough good things about Rex Ryan, aside from the fact that they didn't keep me longer. <laughs> all right. They brought in D Mill in there. I knew it was bad. They kept all the defensive backs from the year before. Um, so, that, yeah, that was my opportunity in the in the NFL. Um, I learned a ton. And then I I actually got released. I I got entered into a an AFL draft, and I ended up being the number one overall pick, which is cool. I probably should brag about that a little bit more. I don't know. Well, nobody really cares about the AFL. But I was the number one overall pick. That was pretty cool, something, you know, I could tell my kids. And um, balled out. I had 11 interceptions in one season. Thought I was going back to the NFL. Didn't get the opportunity. Signed with the San Jose Sabercats, which might be the best thing ever for me because I learned so much about technique. I mean, at this time, I'm 26 years old, 27 and it was my first time truly learning about technique. I mean, just every single step, hip, hand placement, all these different things that I just never learned, not even in the NFL, which you think you would learn there. But nope, I learned the most technique from the San Jose Sabercats of the Arena Football League. And I went there with one goal in mind, well, to get paid and win a ring. And we just we did just that. We we won the championship, one of the best teams in the Arena League history. So that was an amazing um, experience. But I, I learned so much. And when I finished up with that, I wanted to, you know, go back home, train defensive backs. My kids were getting older. I said, okay, I'm done traveling. I'm done with football. Um, you know, what's next? So I got into training athletes. And training athletes, you know, put me on the other side, the coaching aspect of it. And I got to see you know, movements and some of the things that coaches had issues with me or whatever my shortcomings were. You know, I was a tall corner, but with tall corners, you you deal with different things, whether it's, you know, foot turnover, leg turnover speed or, you know, hips, you know, a little bit tight, all all these different things. I, I learned, you know, okay, this worked for me, but man, I wish I had that guy's feet or I wish I had that guy's hips. So when I'm watching prospects, I see a lot of these different things and some of the things where I wish I could do that or, other things where it's like, man, that guy can't do it as good as me. And, and then it kind of helps me evaluate a guy and understand what can he improve on or what's going to be tough just because of how he's built. All right. So a lot of that goes into my rankings, um, how I watch film, how I'm able to break it down and how exactly the cornerback is seeing it. And it also allows me to break down receivers because I understand receivers so much. I understand what's difficult for a receiver. All right. I understand what's easy for a receiver. I understand who are the harder types of receivers to guard and what combination of a receiver is very difficult. So when I have DK McCaffrey as the, the number one wide receiver, 
is because I know no matter what, how big you are as a corner, the, the gifts, the physically physical gifts that he was born with, those things aren't normal. You, you, 6'3", 230 pounds to run how he runs, the power, the foot quickness. He isn't an, an amazing route runner, but the, he can run routes. And I, and I put on Twitter the other day, I'm getting killed for it in my comments. But, you know, I thought a lot of that, you know, stiffness and tight, can't run routes. It, I thought a lot, a lot of it was overblown. All right. And I, I think a lot of people will see that with him going to the the Seahawks but enough about me now I, I still train the athletes I train a ton of athletes I have fun doing it I have my own um program that I'm doing I'm working towards opening my own athletic training facility um but yeah that's that that's me I, I've wasted too much time already talking about my my background so let, let's get into these cornerbacks all right the first one off the board was DeAndre Baker cornerback out of Georgia and, and, and they actually doubled up on corners they went DeAndre Baker first which Kind of caught me off guard, but they, they've been known to do things like this. They, they did that with uh, Eli Apple a few years back, right? They took him extremely high, and it was like, whoa, there were a few other guys on the board. Where he's like, you didn't go with this guy, but you went with Eli Apple. Okay. <laughs> All right. And they did that again with DeAndre Baker. And I just thought that there were better, higher-ceiling guys on the board. They went with DeAndre Baker. Maybe it was a safe bet. A safe play. They they doubled up way later. Got Julian Love out of Notre Dame, <clears throat> and I know people were really high on him. So we'll, we'll see. He went extremely late. He went. Julian Love went fourth round to the Giants. All right, and I think a lot of people kind of liked him in that second round range, third round. I, I didn't really care for him as much. I, I thought fourth round, fifth round would be a good spot for him. All right. Now round two is when corners started going off the board, all right? We had one safety, Jonathan Abrams, go to the Raiders. Um, I think that's a good fit because the Raiders, you know, they missed on uh, Joseph, right, the, the the safety from Virginia Tech. That, that safety is just out of the game now. The hard-hitting guy, not really, you know, doesn't really have the coverage skills. Those safeties are going away. You need more coverage guys, guys that can drop down in the box, cover slots, tight ends, and that's Jonathan Abrams. So they, they, they got that. They got that now. All right, so those were the two corners taken in the first round. I mean, two uh, defensive backs taken in the first round. Now, going to round two, you got, I mean, they just started flying off the board. Byron Murphy, Rocky Asin, uh Sean Bunting, Trayvon Mullen, Greedy Williams, Lonnie Johnson. All right, so I, I know I can go a little bit in-depth about those guys, and then I'll kind of breeze through some of these other guys. All right, then I'll talk about a little bit about these uh, round two safeties as well. Byron Murphy... Some of the best zone eyes I've ever seen. I thought um, the kid from Iowa last year that got drafted to the Packers, Josh Jackson. I thought he had some of the best zone eyes I've seen. Man, Byron Murphy has him topped. He just doesn't have that physical presence. You know, he's only 5'10 and some change, 5'11. Uh, he, you know, he's not really big, but he plays big. He he lays the hammer. Uh, he comes down, big hits, isn't afraid to stick his nose in there at all. But... When you don't have the length and you have kind of shorter arms and then you don't have, you know, that elite upside speed, which he ran a 4.55 at the combine, it's a little concerning. So you want to go to more of a zone type scheme defense and we'll see. 
We'll see. Cardinals got a new uh, defensive coordinator. Can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I know he was with the Carolina Panthers before, and they run a ton of zone. So if that's the case, Byron Murphy fits right in with those guys. All right, and then you have Rocky Asin going to the Colts, which is good because they just lost the corner. Gosh, I'm getting bad with names right now. Too many blows to the head. But um, Desir, Pierre Desir, all right? Uh, they, they just lost him, I believe, in free agency, or did they sign him back? Uh, but now they add another corner opposite him or to replace him. Rocky Hassan, I really like him. Very, very tough, physical cornerback. 49er fans, we saw, you know, uh, you know our, our new receiver, Debo Samuel, you know, have a battle with Rocky Hassan at the Senior Bowl. Very physical, grabby cornerback. I like it. If they don't throw a flag, it's not passing the fans. That's how I see it. I think he's gonna fit in with a lot. Of, he's gonna fit in good with what they do. Ran a four-five-one, so he's just fast enough to play on that outside. It has just long enough arms. Uh, you know, that's a single high safety scheme. They got Malik Hooker flying around back there in that secondary. So I, I really like that fit. After that, you have Sean Bunting. He got drafted by Tampa Bay. They just took Davis last year from um, Auburn. So now they have their two outside guys. I, I really like that. It, what are they going to do with Vernon Hargraves? All right, what are they going to do with Vernon Hargraves? Are they kind of phase him out? We'll see. Um, he was a very high draft pick. So I, I'm curious to see how that whole thing plays out. But you drafted a big, long corner last year, drafted another one in Sean Bunting. Very aggressive press corner, plays zone very well. I, I really like what Tampa Bay did with that, having, you know, those two big, bigger, longer outside corners that can move. Bunting ran a 4-4-1, all right, 40. So the dude, the dude can move. I know my 49ers are going to be able to test him week one and, and see where these guys are. After that, you got Trayvon Mullen went to the Raiders. And he's still a little – he has high upside. He has very good movement skills. I think sometimes his, his footwork lacks. I was on here with Jonah Tolson. He talked about how he didn't see him in press coverage enough. Um, I, I believe he can do it. Being consistent with it is something that he's going to learn. Gary and Conley turned it on at the end of the year, so I think they feel like they have a guy there. But the other side, yeah, Worley. You tried to get Rashawn Melvin. He wasn't the guy. So they're definitely hoping that Trayvon Mullen can step in right away and be a guy. And if that's the case, you have two solid corners on the outside with Conley and Trayvon Mullen. After that, you got Greedy Williams going to the Browns. Man, they just drafted Denzel Ward fourth overall. But you know the saying, you can never have enough good cornerbacks, enough good coverage guys, all right? And and they have that. You know, they, they should have their long-term coverage guys on the outside. Now, they, they play a lot of zone, and, and I like Greedy more in the receiver's faces. I didn't really necessarily care for him so much, you know, in off coverage. We'll see how the Browns adjust to that. Do you play him to his skill set? There's already a, a, a video from um, Rookie Minicamp of a guy just running by him, just just running post. And I, I get it. There's no pass rush. There's, you know, no you know, time for the quarterback that he can just throw to a spot. And one-on-ones definitely favors receivers. But it just kind of showed, you know, I want that guy at the line of scrimmage. I don't want him eight, nine yards off and, and having a slow play and transition or any of that. Get in somebody's face. Use your length. Stick with this guy throughout the route. That's what I want to see from Greedy Williams with the Browns. And then you have Lonnie Johnson who went to Houston Texans. 
Lonnie Johnson, I think his biggest thing is just consistency. All right. When he does it right, it looks good. Good feet, stays square, you know, gets hands on very well. It, it looks so good when he does it right. But when he doesn't, you know, there, there's there's not too much room for error when, when you're that size. When you're 6'2", 210 pounds, you got to do everything right and, and be consistent with it. Sometimes your length might let you get away with it, but more times than not, that misstep is going to put you behind because your foot speed isn't as quick as somebody that's a little bit smaller, like, say, a Byron Murphy. All right, so there's some give and take with taller corners and shorter corners. You, you have to learn how to play to your skill set. And he needs to use his hands when he does. He's extremely good. I like him in off coverage, too. Shows a nice, good, low pedal. Um, it, it looks really good. Transitions out, out of his brakes very well. So I'm not surprised. You know, he was the seventh corner taken. Not bad. All right. So now, you know, we're still talking about round two, guys. And we'll, we'll get to some of these safeties really quick. All right. You have Taylor Rapp. Went to the Rams. Juan Thornhill. Went to the Chiefs. All right. As a Ram, as a 49er fan, I don't like Taylor Rapp on the on the uh, on the Rams because gosh, the dude is 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 pretty good. He plays faster than his forty time. He ran like a four seven five. That was very like wow. You know, I expected him to run a little bit better than that, but he he's more of a, a round the box guy. Now he has some coverage skills, but you're not going to mistake him for Juan Thornhill who went to the Chiefs. All right. Thornhill went to the Chiefs, and I, I think anybody that has been following me on Twitter knows that is my guy. I, I thought he was the best overall defensive back in the draft. So I'm not talking about just cornerbacks or j- just safeties. I, I'm talking about just overall. If I had one corner who I wanted to bet on or one defensive back who I wanted to bet on, it would be Juan Thornhill. The dude does it all. He plays everywhere. He plays in the box, you see him lined up at Mike. You see him lined up at slot. You see him lined up at single high safety, cover two, cover four safety, uh, bracket guy. It doesn't matter. He can play everywhere. Dude's a physical freak. Ran a four four two at the combine. Um, jumped out the building with a forty four inch uh, vertical leap. Uh, he his broad jump was eleven nine. I mean the dude was awesome. The dude was explosive. I liked everything about what I saw from Juan Thornhill. And, and that was before, you know, the combine. I, I just thought the dude was, he's a guy. All right. And now, starting round three, you had David Long. He went to the Rams. You had Justin Lane. He went to the Steelers. Jamal Dean. He went to Tampa. All right. Now, let, let's talk about some of these round three cornerbacks. All right, especially uh, Justin Lane and Jamal Dean. I did a lot of um, film study on those guys. Justin Lane to the Steelers. Okay, they had Artie Burns. I I felt like even drafting Artie Burns in the first round was a little rich for my my liking when he was drafted. All right, now they're taking Justin Lane in the third round, which is fine, but he's – I feel like he's more of a guy, you know, if if I have a guy – at corner, and, and I'm happy with him, and I feel like I've got... Now, he's a guy... Okay, round three, you want to add to that? Great. He's a little raw, all right? And, and he's a converted receiver. So, with, with, with Lane, you have to see, is he going to develop? Now, you don't want to miss, especially if you're the Steelers. I, I thought they, they were going to take a receiver, shoot, first round, 
And then they didn't go, re- I mean, not receiver, cornerback. I thought they were going to go cornerback for first round. They didn't go corner first round. So, okay, maybe second round. They didn't go second round. Third round, they drafted Justin Lane. I, I think it was good value, but for them, I would have liked th- them to get somebody that was a little bit more ready to play. Now, Justin Lynn has a really good skill set. When he understands what he's doing and he sees it, it, it looks good. Kind of like, you know, I talked about Lonnie Johnson. Same thing Same thing with Justin Lane. When he's on, he's on. I think he plays the ball very well downfield, and maybe that's because of some of his receiver skills kind of showing up. All right, he tracks the ball in well, is able to knock it away, gets his hands on a lot of balls. Pause. Uh, you know, slants route, slant routes, he'll knock them away, he squeezes it. But sometimes I thought in zone, he kind of got a little too relaxed. All right. And, and what I mean by that is there will be times where he's playing like cover four, right? And I mean, cover two. And if I'm in cover two, I'm really reading who can threaten my flat. And if nobody can threaten my flat, I either squeeze one or sink with one. All right. Now, when two goes away, like does like a drag and the running back is in the way. All right. Or is away. Whatever one does, I can pretty much stay with it because there's there's nobody to threaten my threaten my area. All right. So there were times where, like I said, one, uh, two went away, the running back went away. So you have one, and basically now I'm pretty much just man man to man on you because there's nobody else to threaten my area. And he would get his hands on and then just let the guy go and then and then start sinking. And it's like, dude, there, there's who are you who are you covering? You're you're covering grass and things like that happen. A lot. All right. Go back to the uh, the game against Ohio State, which I liked because it was a very active game. It showed exactly who he is, good and bad. All right. So a lot of those things showed up. I, I think that the talent is there. The length is there. The, the He's fast enough. He just has to be consistent with his what he's seeing. And, and maybe that just comes from more experience because he's just now becoming, you know, a full-time cornerback, all right? So that's Justin Lane. And, and then you have Jamal Dean. Dude looks like a linebacker. He plays well. If you if you watch the game against uh, Alabama, very sticky cover, coverage on Riley Ridley. I, I thought Riley Ridley created space and, you know, with his routes, more effortless than maybe anybody else in this draft. But he didn't do that against Jamal Dean. Dean was able to be very sticky, squeeze stuff downfield. He ran a good 40 times. The dude looks big. I mean, like 6'1", 210 pounds. Whatever he is, man, he he looks bigger than that. He looks like like 220 or something like that. And if you guys can remember, I know we look at Patrick Peterson, very fluid movements. Um, Patrick Peterson coming out with 6'1", 219 pounds. Dean is kind of built like that. I, I don't think his movements are as fluid, and that's why instead of being a top 10 pick like Patrick Peterson, he was more of a uh, third-round pick. But th- there are some things that like there with Dean. Uh, I- I'm interested to see what he does. And-, and again, that's somebody else, Tampa. I have him down for Tampa Bay. So, golly, Davis, Dean, and Bunting. Very interesting. What does that mean for... What does that mean for uh, Vernon Hargraves? All right. So now let's get to some of these other guys. All right, some later round guys. Yeah, Chauncey Garner-Johnson. And, and I think Chauncey Garner-Johnson, a lot of people thought he would go much higher. I saw some people saying first round. When I was hyping up Juan Thornhill on Twitter, people were telling me, nah, man, CGJ, he, he's the guy. Well, this guy didn't get taken until the fourth round. And, and I don't know 
why maybe because people don't know exactly where to play him. So he played more of a slot role. Um, if you can think uh my guy last year, Minka Fitzpatrick. He played more of a Minka Fitzpatrick role, but he's not Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Alright. So he he he's more of a slot guy, but he's listed as a safety. Um I I, I think he's he's solid. Fourth round was definitely surprising for me. I, I thought he would go higher than that. But man, sometimes the, the draft falls in mysterious ways and maybe the Saints got got them a guy. Right, a versatile piece um, where they can play a little bit more uh, nickel package, you know, even versus run. Somebody that's going to get in there and get physical, that might be a good fit. We'll, we'll see. Then you have Julian Love. I touched on him. Giants doubled up. Kendall Sheffield to the Falcons. Sheffield is extremely athletic, extremely athletic. He had trouble tracking in some tracking in balls downfield. For whatever reason, I, I don't know. Um, he has all the athletic abilities that you would want to see. Fast, quick, twitchy, good feet, good hips for the most part. There's just some inconsistencies there with his coverage. So we'll see if he can get right on the Falcons. More of a single high coverage. They look for, you know, long, long arm guys, good speed, you know, to cover that third. Then you have Imam Marshall, which I'm just now finding out Imam Marshall added Lewis to his name. So Iman Lewis Marshall. He was drafted by the Ravens in the fourth round, which I think that's pretty good for him because I, I thought he might go a little bit lower. You know, there was a time where people probably thought Iman Marshall would, Iman Lewis Marshall, excuse me, would probably go in, you know, first round. And here, you know, he's drafted late fourth. And I think he was, you know, he was a big recruit coming out of Long Beach Poly. I, you know, played... Up and down, very up and down. I, I think part of it as well was, you know, the U, U, USC Trojans, they've just been up and down as well. They had a terrible year this year. I, I think if they had a better year, I think some of their, you know, guys like Amal Marshall would look a little bit better and maybe go a little bit higher. But because they had such a poor year, whew, yeah, nobody from that school is getting much love right now. All right. And then after that, you had... Deontay Thompson, drafted by the Cardinals. All right. Now, if you look on paper, the Cardinals had, like, a tremendous draft. If if you just look at names. So, you know, you got uh, Kyler Murray, Heisman Trophy Award winner. Second round, they got they got uh, Byron Murphy. All right. He was my cornerback one. Second round again, after the trade, they got Andy Isabella, speedster. Poor man's Brandon Cooks. That's what I call him. All right. Uh, fourth round, they ended up getting uh, Hakeem Butler, who a lot of guys had going first round, top of the first, you know, really high. All right. Um, but, yeah, they got him in the fourth round. I believe the first pick of the fourth round. All right. And then Deontay Thompson, who at the start of the draft season, Deontay Thompson was a first-round pick in, in draft toward his eyes. And then he didn't work out. He had, I believe, some wrist surgery, wasn't running. And next thing you know, he kind of got lost in the shuffle, and boom, he's drafted late. But the Cardinals picked him up. So, you know, they, they, they did lose Honey Badger, right? They lost him a couple years ago. Mm, he's not Honey Badger. <laughs> and I don't even want to put him in that category. But, you know, they got Buda Baker, 
and now they got Deontay Thompson, and maybe those are you know those are the guys that they're gonna you know go with moving forward at the safety position. We'll see. So now I'll get into my mailbag session a little bit, my mailbag segment, and you know I have a few questions that I'll answer now. All right, my guy Matt Barr, he said, "Who's the best late round undrafted rookie free agent that will make the biggest impact?" And I'm not sure if he's talking about for the 49ers or if he's just talking about in general. But if he's talking about the 49ers, I will go with tight end Caden Smith. He has that big body goal line presence, that 50-50 ability that we're kind of missing from George Kittle, right? So I think he adds that element, um, especially if you go two tight ends, uh, you know, formation or, or, you know, a power formation where you want to use a guy in a short area and be able to use his body to box guys out and, and catch those jump balls, that's him. So I think he'll make an impact for the 49ers. Now, if we're not talking about the 49ers, then I'd go with Jimmy Moreland to the Redskins playing in that slot. I think that's a big-time ability. They're going to need it after losing uh, Kendall Fuller to the Kansas City Chiefs in the trade. Um, so, you know, the Chiefs have added – I mean, uh, uh, the Redskins have, you know, are rebuilding – their secondary right now. But I, I think, you know, having a guy like Jimmy Moreland, you know, with his ability, his ball hawking skills and just his ability, I, I, he just slipped late like that because, in my opinion, he's just from a smaller school. So Jimmy Moreland, that's my guy that I think will make the biggest impact um, that's not a 49er. Um, I have another question, you know, saying, hey, Lane should beat out Burns in Pittsburgh, right? And He's talking about, you know, um, Artie Burns from Miami. He's been with the Steelers for a few years. Hasn't panned out the way they like. You know, they have Joe Hayden on the other side. They're trying to find somebody that I don't know if it's to replace Burns or if it's to replace Hayden, who's getting a little bit older. But Lane is a little raw to me. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I I think he needs some developing, kind of like Burns did. Uh, Burns had all the ability, just needed a little bit of developing. and, And I don't think we've quite seen that yet. So we'll see what happens with Lane. I don't know if he's going to be able to beat out Artie Burns day one, but maybe down the line, uh, down the road, we, we might see that happen. And I have another question from my guy Ian, and he said, who is who is going to be better, our, our defense or our offense? And I, and I know he's probably specifically talking about the 49ers. And <sighs> that's a tough one. I, I'll say the offense. I'll, I'll still say the offense. I, I think we're – I'm just not sure about the safety position, um, the cornerback position. I'm not 100% confident in. I love our front seven. I think that's probably one of the better front sevens in the league from, you know, both DNs to the tackles to the linebackers. But that secondary, they just have a lot to prove. And I think they have the talent to do it, but I, I have to see it first. So I would definitely say the offense, you have the whole offensive line coming back intact. You added Tevin Coleman to an already talented backfield. Uh, you have Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from injury. And, and then the receivers, you have Pettis coming back for his second year. Um, he finished very strong, so you just want to keep him healthy. Marquise Goodwin, stretch the field still. Um, added Debo Samuel, he's, uh, I think he's going to be a high-volume target guy. And you still have, I mean, you know, Kendrick Bourne coming back. You added Jalen Hurd and all these different pieces. So, you know, and then Kyle Shanahan running the offense. So if I had to choose, you know, one side, definitely offense. All right. And shoot, man, three questions. I think that's going to do it for today's episode. So um, I'm going to get into some team-specific stuff down the road here, talking, you know, going through each division and, you know, talking about wide receiver and defensive back groupings for each team. All right, so we're going to get back to that on 
episodes to come right here on the Press Coverage Podcast.